Welcome to the 97th edition of the Guna Podcast, recorded on the Monday evening after Arsenal's 7-1 victory over Blackburn Rovers. As the usual, this podcast is sponsored by the website for all your unofficial Arsenal t-shirt needs, gunashirts.com. I'm your host, David Udo, and without further ado, as one of us wants to get to the pub to watch the second half of Liverpool versus Spurs, let's introduce this evening's panel. Similar to Paul Scholes, he reversed his decision to retire from active duty, so continues to write his popular and sometimes controversial column in the Guna, although he has vowed not to write negative things about Arsene Wenger this season, as he feels he has said it all before. So, it's 2011-2012's Mr Glass Half Full, despite being one of the first AMGs or WLPs, it's welcome along to the Highbury spy himself, Mr Steve Ashford. Good evening everybody. (laughs) Uh, another panellist that resides in the far reaches of the Gin and Jaguar belt, south of the capital, and has thus risked a tricky journey home to be with us this evening. He has sold his seat to the recent matches against Aston Villa and Blackburn in protest at the way things have gone this season. Once a believer, now a fan in need of change. It's a very good evening to Mr Mark Ollington. Hello everyone. And last, but by no means least, a test of our abilities to come up with fresh and new comedy lines about his hairstyle on a regular basis. We've now come to the conclusion it will actually come back into fashion before Arsenal win another trophy. (laughs) Former hosts are now sitting on the more expressive side of the table. It's great to have you you him to cheer us all up. Hello to Mr Joe Broadfoot. Hello everyone out there and and less of the... uh hair jokes and no jokes about my feet either so I mean after a, a less than brilliant start to 2012 with uh, not a single um, league point in January let's sod that Saturday just gone we've won 7-1 Steve what does the Blackburn result on Saturday tell us about this Arsenal team it tell us it tells us we have got the potential to be a really good attacking side if Wenger plays the right personnel and I was really pleased to see Oxlade Chamberlain start on Saturday even more pleased to see Rosicki start. Uh, I, think he's, I think everyone's aware that when you have a midfield of Arteta, Song and Ramsey, they're all three very similar players. Mm. And I've long argued if you're going to play 4-3-3, three, 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 you need a creative player in the middle of that three. And playing Rosicki on Saturday, I know it was only Blackburn, and I only scored four of the goals when I only had ten men. <laughs> but I thought having Rosicki in that team, and again against United, you know, when, we, when he played against them as well, I mean, I just thought that having an extra creative player in the middle gave us so much more. And I hope we carry on like that for the rest of the season. Not that I dislike Ramsey, I just think that we just need a creative player in there, and Ramsey needs a rest. Well, what did you make of it on Saturday from what you heard of it, Mark, seeing as you, you, you couldn't be asked to make your journey up from Kent? <laughs> to, to be fair, that introduction, it was slightly harsh. I had family commitments. And it is typical that the first game I do miss this season, well, second actually, if I'm honest with you, but the second home game I miss this season is a 7-1, so perhaps it, I was owed it. But, you know, the famous expression is, as the poets once said, does a swallow make a summer? My answer to that is, um, potentially not. I mean, let's be honest with you, the game since the turn of the year have been absolutely abysmal. And we only go back to the Man United game and the shocking substitution of Oxlade Chamberlain has been much discussed. I won't add to that today. But, you know, 7-1, brilliant. But let's get the facts right here. Four goals were scored, one they were down to 10, ten men. Mm-hmm. And let's be brutally frank as well, they got back to one all, And it wasn't as if there wasn't some dodgy moments before we got that goal straight after theirs. Yes, it was a 7-1. Yes, it was brilliant. Yes, I'm very bitter that I wasn't there to see us score a few goals. <laughs> in fact, I'm devastated. But I would say to all Gunners out there, heed a bit of caution. 
Mm. We've been in this position once before this season where results started to go our way and we started to climb back up that table. And then look what happened. Christmas time came and it was a descent into more mediocrity. The fans were <coughs> upset once again and internal strife raging amongst the goon of faithful. So I hope, you know, we do surge back up the table. But part of me, Dave, doesn't yet believe. Because to believe, you need facts. And as yet, we only have part of that story. As Sherlock Holmes would say, if he was looking at this as like a case. The next three games are going to tell us a lot. The next three games are really going to tell us a lot. Potentially Sunderland away twice and Tottenham at home. That would be and the key, Steve. And AC Milan away. I mean... Difficult yeah. And before really we get to Joe's comments, games. I can't wait to hear because he had got a brand new haircut. We mentioned his, hair, his hair early on. It's a little little trim. Less <laughs> curly than before, but still looking very it's buoyant. It's because I'm wearing a hat. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit colder. Yeah, yeah. Before we get to that, you know, yeah. Spurs, if we lose that game, at the end, you know, that could be disastrous. But if we win it, I could see happy times coming back to the Grove. It's on that much of an edge, Dave. Oh, I agree. I agree. I think the, the top of at home game at the end of February, if we're losing, God forbid, 2-0 with 10 minutes to go, you will get people booing, throwing their season ticket hard holders, which I remember they did at Charlton once when they were losing. Uh, people were throwing that at the manager's bench and walking out, that kind of thing. Wouldn't surprise me. But, but Joe, I mean, after a 7-1, a 7-1, you know, when, when the bloke on the video printer says Arsenal 7 brackets S-E-V-E-N you know in light of what Mark's just told us were you bar humbug or were you happy new year? I wasn't either I was just I just looked at it 7-1 is 3 points it's 3 points it's just like Fuck, the I'm glad I brought this up <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah you shouldn't talk to me about these sort of Jesus. heavy score lines because they don't mean a lot to me other than yeah the goal difference has improved a lot great but we beat Blackburn Blackburn are not a good team. I mean, probably the worst team in the Premier League um, that have come to the Emirates that I've seen. This They're season. a team that beat us 4-3 at their place. Yeah, they which year? I watched. I watched that game and that was because we were, we were appalling that day. We did uh, score two of their goals for them, in fairness. And yeah, it was in fairness. They didn't have Keane, not Keane, they didn't have um, Samba and Yakuba on Saturday either, did they? But no. the other thing is, I don't want to take credit away from the Arsenal team because Arsenal played reasonably well. They could have played better and could have won 10-11. It could have done quite easily. I mean, that team, it was a reasonable performance, I thought, and nothing more than that. But I'm pleased about it because we haven't seen many reasonable performances of late. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm delighted that we managed to put one in against a team that we could have potentially lost points against. Mm. Because as poor as Blackburn are, I mean, we couldn't beat Bolton the other day. And Bolton aren't much better than Blackburn, in my opinion. So, so you know, I had to be happy with the three points. But it was serious... For me, it was just three points and, and nothing more, apart from the fact, yes, we did carve them open because we had the Ox in the team and, and the Ox was getting the, plenty of the ball and he was delivering and Theo Walcott, and I happen to have the Walcott shirt on today just for those listeners that can't see it. Somebody has to, <laughs> and, and somebody has <laughs> to do it. One, somebody has <laughs> to back Theo through, through this, what is sort of like, I don't even know if it's a crisis, he's just up and down, you know, like a yo-yo this season. He's six year like, bad patch. And it's not quite as bad as that, but you know, he's, he's scored the second most amount of goals in the Arsenal team this season. So to me, if that's a failure, well, I'd like some of it. I tell you what, an awful lot of f football fans of different clubs would say, regardless what happens, we can finish 17th this year, I'll remember that game when we won 7-1. Uh, you know, if we don't qualify for this, that or the other, we beat what, whatever they're called 7-1, that's a hell of an effort. But you know, we aren't happy with this, so 
you know, there's an obvious elephant in the room. It's it's an elephant that was in the room for an awful lot of Arsenal fans when we played Manchester United at home and lost 2-1. And it's when, after about 66, 67 minutes, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, Arsenal's man of the match, was substituted. And the entire crowd, for the first time I can remember, booed our own manager. I mean, Mark... Let's talk about that substitution. Do you take it as a watershed moment for Arsene Wenger? It could be. I'm not going to put my colours firmly to the mask, but as you mentioned, I do now live in deepest, darkest Kent. And believe it or not, not every Arsenal fan does come from North London. I was quite surprised a lot of us do reside in Kentish Town. Um, not, <laughs> but the other way, not, not, not Kentish Town, yeah. down there. Anyway, on the train on the way back, there was many Arsenal fans. And some of them were getting quite boisterous and vociferous. And the fight actually broke out between the pro-Vengers and anti-Vengers. And you wouldn't believe it. I mean, I know it happened a bit towards the end of last season. But to the point where the middle-class men res- resided in Seven Oaks, of bashing ten times of shit out each other on the train and on the way home, debating Vengers' substitutions, you know something has happened at the club. And going back to your question, David... It was a baffling decision, which no fan could really work out what was going on. Then there was all the rumours afterwards with the AKBs going, no, you know, I've heard he was, had a bit of cramp or it was a muscle thing, which got contradicted by a lot of people afterwards. It was purely done on a tactical level. And what annoyed me as someone that was a previous AKB, but has now veered towards the other camp, was the contempt that Wenger had for the Arsenal um, us, us fans. I think he came out and said, you know, that he's made, was it, 5,000 substitutions and he doesn't need to justify what he's yeah. doing to us. <clears throat> and I thought that was disgusting because you have to justify everything that you do to us because we pay your wages, we sit there and watch the, play, the, the teams you turn out every single week. Everything you do... Was it Ivan Gizzi who said last season, Wenger is judged and if he's like, uh, up to the fans, we're his bosses? But if that's true, justify your choices and don't be so antsy-pantsy about it, you stupid man. You know, you tell us why you made that sub- substitution. I'm still livid now, David. It's making me really, really cross. <laughs> well, I actually think if, if, if Oxford Chamberlain had stayed on against Man United, we would have certainly drawn that game and probably won it. Mm. Because we lost all momentum when he, when he went off. And to a certain extent, we lost the same momentum on Saturday. I mean, when, when, when Chamberlain was withdrawn against Blackburn, um, you could definitely tell. I mean, it, there was half an hour to go. We were 6-1 up. And without Oxford Chamberlain on the pitch, we spent half an hour with, with not scoring a goal. Mm. It was all tippy-tappy without uh, yeah. Yeah. Oxford yeah. Chamberlain. Because he just runs at people and they don't know what he's going to do. He's popping up everywhere. I, I couldn't, couldn't believe it. For, for a guy his age, he's got a tremendous amount of maturity about him. And I don't understand the logic in not playing him more when he's on a roll. This kid is on a roll. Mm. So play him when he's in form. Why, why just keep taking him off just because oh, I'm looking at my watch, it is coming up to the 70th minute, uh, it is time for change. And then, he, um, young man, you come off. And it seems like that. It seems like he's bumbling into making decisions. He's not making rational decisions. Mm. And I, I always respected Wenger's, you know, that, that part of him, that logic, that that guy that was supposedly the scientist, the sports scientist, the guy that, well, well, maybe he is still, he's just running everything by his watch. Mm. And he's not doing it on any sort of other, other sort of, he's not, he's not watching what's going on on the pitch. I don't know what's happening, but his substitutions have left a lot to be desired. Well, he said today, you see, Wenger actually said today that he's got to be careful with, that, with Oxlade Chamberlain, because he doesn't want to burn him out like Jack Wilshere got burned out. He's yeah. played a fraction but, of the games. <clears throat> Jack Wilshere played the entire last season. From August right the way through to the middle yep. of the summer for England. And he did play 50, 60, 70 yeah. games. 
Now he's saying, oh, I mustn't burn Chamberlain out. Because he's played he, 10. Yeah, if he plays something. Chamberlain yeah. from now to the end of the season, he's still only going to play 20 games. So I don't mm, see what he's going yeah. on about burnout. I but, think this is all an excuse so he can put Javinio straight back in the team. Well, as soon as he's back. Points, Dave. Uh, I don't think anyone can say anything other than that. I mean, Javinio will come straight back into the side despite the fact he actually got dropped uh, from one of the Ivory Coast games in the African Cup of Nations. Uh, I, I just think... Wenger's substitutions are all pre-planned. At least two of them are. It occasionally, he has to make an emergency one. Um, the Sunday game against Manchester United being that Johan Juru got ripped a new arsehole by Nani. Mm-hmm. So, poor Nico Yeneris, who actually played very well, had to come on. But apart from that, he decided before the game that Oxlade-Chamberlain was going to go off half an hour. And um, I think it was the same in the match just gone. Because as, as of all the people in the world, Arsblog said, with Arsenal being 5-1 up, Maybe I think maybe six one up actually with twenty five minutes to go, but uh, twenty five minutes to go. Bearing in mind, Ju Young Park has barely had more than eight minutes in the Premier League for Arsenal. Surely you say to him, look, you're playing against ten men, fucking useless. Fill your fill your boots. Everyone feed the ball to him in front of goal. But no, he'd already planned to take Oxlade Chamberlain off. So lo and behold, he did. Um, do, do we need a, a, a change there with, with regards to the substituting? Well, or the, mean, the manager's thinking. Or? You mentioned that's gone. Sorry, Steve. Why does Walcott never get taken off? I mean, Walker, I know Walker had a reasonable game Saturday, but it's the first reasonable game he's had for three months. I mean, why did he never go off? It's like, I mean, me and my mates... I don't we, know we, if that's strictly true, We call, we call think, Venger... Think Venger love Theo, no, but Theo's you know, been dragged off quite a few times this season. Not, I don't know about that. Uh, like this, I think he's done well, about 90 minutes this the year. The Ox has had it particularly harsh. Yeah. And there's certain players that he picks on every single time. But one well, being the Ox, one being Theo, one being Arshavin. He takes off wide players. I, I don't mm. really know why he does that, but that's that's what he tends to do. I think Theo's a love child. So same with Nielsen. <laughs> <laughs> Nielsen's a love child, isn't he? No, he was the deck chair, but yeah. you can never yeah. accuse Theo of being a deck mm. chair. But going back to the Man United game, as you mentioned, Dave, at half-time, for once, Wenger, even when he won trophies, was criticised for his subs. He always has been. But he made the bold move of getting off Juru that had played terribly. The young lad came on, did really well. So mm. you can yourself, maybe you can see what's going on in a, in, a, mm. in a game. The choice you made was the right one here, mate. Well done. This one, I'm thinking to yourself, you know what? Perhaps Wenger's learning. Perhaps he is seeing what's mm. going on the pitch and making a tactical substitution here and there. And yet he counteracts that with the most baffling, <laughs> ridiculous substitution I've ever seen. It's like he said to himself, to, or said to the whole crowd, do you know what, I've done this, I've got to, like, go, I've got to go against it 100%, here's the worst thing I've ever done. <laughs> I still, it was like, the, it was like the, the best and worst of Wenger in one game, and I still can't get my head around it now. But back to Steve's points with Theo, I'm not as anti-Theo as perhaps Steve has been, but I think this season, apart from the first few games up until last week, he's had a shocker of a season, Theo Walcott. I know he's got the second amount of goals. To be fair, that's not very many goals. Is it four or five Six. goals this season? That's Six. not very many, is it, to be fair, for a no, winger to play almost winger, every game? How many, how many goals has Ryan, has Ryan Giggs scored? You know, when you put it... He match plays in the middle, really, Ryan Well, Giggs. yeah, and he's played a lot of games in the middle, but his goal-scoring talent is not, is my, not phenomenal. My argument is... Particularly at that same age. For Theo Walcott... Mm-hmm. And his crossing was appalling at times, Ryan Giggs, in the old days. Not now, mm-hmm. not now, because he's learned. He's learned. He's played on the wing for, for so long. And I still maintain, I don't care what anyone says, I still maintain Theo Walcott, just like he maintains, and just like Benga maintains, he is not an out-and-out winger. He was brought in to be a striker. But for some bizarre reason, Wenger's decided to play him as a winger. Well, we saw how good he was as a striker at Bolton when he missed that one-on-one. Yeah, but the thing is, the point I wanted to raise with you, Steve, is that if you play on the wing a lot, 
you become accustomed to, to that position. Mm. And that position doesn't entail going around the keeper very often. In fact, you'll be very lucky if in 10 games you get a chance to go around the keeper, you're going to be in very lucky indeed to get that, that opportunity. But, so the point is, if you play someone out of position for long enough, eventually they'll, they'll start becoming that position. So if you played him in goal, he might start getting reasonably safe hands. Well, it'd take a very long Didn't time. Didn't work for Manuel, did it? But anyway. Yeah. But, we're, um, we're seeing a good theory is at Sunderland in the next couple of yeah. weeks. And <laughs> yeah. I know we've got off topic here a bit, but what gets me about Walcott is if you believe what's come out is he's now demanding, what's it, 100 grand a week to stay at Arsenal. He has not done anything to justify that. Who's telling him he's worth that type of money? I think he came out recently and said before the Blackburn game he's got to get better. Yes, you've got to get a lot fucking better, mate. You've got to pull your finger out and show a bit of football in now, which I'm not convinced you've actually got. And so don't start dictating what your salary is going to be, you numpty. Get on the pitch with some, a few decent uh, games. At the end of the season, then talk about a pay, pay rise, you flipping idiot. We look at Arsenal Chamberlain, 18, <coughs> been with the club six months. Every Arsenal fan would say Chamberlain better prospect than Walcott. Every Arsenal fan, you know, I reckon 90% of Arsenal fans want Walcott gone. Yeah. Not, I, I, not me, obviously, but I mean, I, I take I take on board what you're saying about the Ox. The Ox is a phenomenon. He looks at the class apart. Let's face it. Still, we shouldn't we shouldn't put too much pressure on his shoulders, yeah. although we are. But <laughs> we shouldn't do that because because you just don't know when these kids are going to go off the ball. But mm. at the moment, he's he's done amazingly well and he's got a mature head yeah. on his shoulders. Whereas Theo, he's a completely different sort of footballer, even though he's playing in a similar position as you know as a winger, which he's not, in my opinion. But he's, I mean, they're, they're totally different apart from they're both quite quick. I mean, Theo's amazingly fast and, and the Ox is pretty quick as well. But mm. apart from that, they're completely different. The Ox has got a football brain and Theo's been, you know, he's been drawn across the coals for not having one. And I can't say he's got the best footballing brain because he's not had that sort of education. He's not had, his, his dad wasn't a professional footballer. Mm. Like, but you need to have a football brain to play for a club like Arsenal. Not necessarily, because this guy brings other attributes. I think he can finish. I mean, he's proved it on occasions. I've seen him score some amazing goals, Theo Walcott. And he can finish, and he's got amazing speed. If you use those attributes in the right way, they, they, can, be, they, they can be great for the team. But if you play him out on the wing and he's got to beat five players, which he did act, actually do on, on Saturday, he beat five players mm -hmm. to set up the Ox. So he's got it in his locker, but you've got to play him in the right position. I mean, the thing is, he, he started to get the space, and that, that just brought out mm. the class the class that Theo has got. Otherwise, everybody's wrong. Is Fabio Capello wrong about him as well, as well as Arsene Wenger? It, Seems unlikely to me. If you take a player like that, who's stuck on the wing for their young days, when they know, and everyone secretly knows, that ultimately they should be playing up front... Um, it reminds me an awful lot of a bloke called Terry Henry, or whatever his name is, mm -hmm. who was stuck on the wing at Juventus, came to Arsenal, got stuck up front, and by all accounts, he was an okay player. So, uh, uh, hey, I'm the guy who's written an article that's hopefully going out in the next issue of the, of the Guna, where I say, if we revert to a 4-4-2 and play Van Persie up front with Walcott, I think they'll score about 700 goals between each other all season. But still on the subject of Thierry Henry... During the last, uh, the last podcast, it was just after we, uh, we beat Leeds in the Cup and he scored the winning goal. Since then, we didn't do much against Swansea. Uh, wasn't even on the bench for Man United. Didn't do all that much away at Bolton. Steve, has, has Thierry's contribution been what was expected or have you ultimately secretly been a little bit disappointed? Uh, I've not been disappointed. I, I, I mean, as a Thierry Henry fanatic and I'll love him forever, 
my favourite ever player for Arsenal, along with Robert Perez. Uh, I would love to see Thierry Henry play for Arsenal at, at 54, let alone 34. <laughs> if he comes on for 10 minutes when we're 6-1 up, when he's 54, and we sign him for a week, I would love that. So mm -hmm. I'm, no one's expecting Thierry Henry to, you know, to, to, to be here for the rest of the season and, and you know, to be our top striker. He's, it's, it's a cameo, essentially. Mm. And, for, and for a cameo, I think he's done fine. What do you reckon, Mark? Uh, I mean, bear in mind this is the man who the the legendary Arsenal today has confirmed that Park has apparently requested a transfer to Lille in the summer, where who he was supposed to join last um, last summer when we came in at the last second. Uh, and Wenger apparently wants to extend on Stay at Arsenal. To me, that would be fantastic. I don't care what happens now. I was here for the last podcast, but I was there, funnily enough, for the game against um, Leeds. And all I say is, is that. That goal he scored there has been my favourite moment of this season, bar none. And I don't care if you know I have my greatest memory this season is some ex-player coming back. I don't care if that makes me worse than, than a Spurs fan. The sheer unbridled joy of when Henri got that goal reminded me Absolutely. after the season what it's like to be a football mm. fan all over totally again. Agree. I was getting far too cynical, far too upset by Arsenal, and literally I was becoming a right tosser because I was ungrateful, I didn't enjoy going to games anymore. That one moment ignited my whole spirit and made me feel alive again. I mean, for a week, it even ignited my faith in Wenger. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> and, and I, mean, I got back home that night, and I think it was ITV Plus One, they had the FA Cup highlights on, I got back and just watched that goal again, again, and right. again. It didn't matter the big beard. It was Roy it, the Rovers, wasn't it? It was just the most phenomenal bit of football I've ever known. I don't care if he now scores four own goals in his next games he plays as we go back. It was worth it for that brilliant magical moment and let's face it it might have been a goal in off another player on Saturday doesn't mm -hmm. matter he's got a lead goal for us again now yeah. it's magnificent and I don't care what happens now really Dave basically Park can fuck off Thierry Henry is the man he might be ineffectual he might have a few chances here and there but he got the winner against Leeds in the FA Cup it doesn't matter it's brilliant I love him Joey, you've been happy with what he's done, and what he's done. Or are you thinking actually, if you weren't so old, maybe you'd fucking start again? Well, I didn't expect a lot from Thierry anymore because I mean he is getting on and he's been playing in the MLS. If he if it wasn't for that, I would expect a lot more from him. But like Sol Campbell, when Sol Campbell came back to the club, I was I was quite pleased about it. Mm. Had a lot of arguments over it. People said, no, no, he's finished. And like they were saying about Thierry Henry, he's a spent force, he's a busted flush and all of this sort of stuff. And, and I was saying, is he a busted flush? And then he, he scores. It wasn't the greatest goal, the league goal, but the goal against uh, Leeds was incredible because no one else in that Arsenal team could have scored that goal. Good Only point, Thierry Henry. Mm. So I was so happy he came back. And no one was going to score. Really no, no one, one, no one was going to score. No way. That, would, that game would have been nil-nil if not yeah. for Henry. Definitely. God, can you imagine if this is nil-nil yeah. we've got a replay up at Ellen yeah. Road in yeah. two games time? I think I went more mental for that goal than <coughs> I did for the goals against Barca last season as dark as it sounds. We all went ballistic. I had a bloke on my shoulders. I know you probably spoke about it last time, but let's speak about it every podcast ever happens, yeah. but ever more. I've never sung more, it was Never sung as much as I did that night. The whole train, the whole tune yeah. was singing. Yeah. Tyrone was resounding down the pick of the new line. It was phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you see, it's so the great legend. for the dressing yeah. room. It's so great for the fans' morale. I mean, just to have him about the places. I mean, we've got, yeah. we got a statue and we've got the living thing. Mm. Walking around, running around doing whatever Arsene Wenger asked him to do. Like, no, I mean, yeah. to be honest, if I could have him here between, between now and the end of the season, and Park, 
fucked off. Mm. That suit me fine. <laughs> Both Park and Chamat yeah. can go as long as Henri yeah. stays yeah. the rest of the season. And even if he's only fit to play half the remainder of the games as a 10 minute cameo, mm. fine. Yeah, exactly. All I know is in three weeks' time, as of yesterday, it's Spurs at home. And if Thierry comes on in the last minute and scores the winner, I think we'll all see him naked. He'll be so happy. Isn't, he, isn't he gone before then? No. Um, oh, I think he's gone extend. to he the end stay. of February. If we, extend, if we extend his load, he, he, he can play against Spurs. But at the moment, he can't, though, can he? No. We'll have to wait and see. We will take a short break now before continuing in our next podcast. But as always, just to mention that if you want to email us about anything related to the podcast, our address is gunapodcast at gmail.com. Once again, thanks to our sponsors, gunashirts.com, and it's goodbye from Steve. Goodbye. Mark. Goodbye. And Joe. Bye. We'll be back soon with more. I'm your host, David Udo. Thank you for listening. la di da di da la di da di dee All good friends and joy good company. Hooray!